Hey everybody, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into this episode of the Nerdcast. If you'd like to stay up to date on all things Nerdcast, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Nerdcast one If you'd like to inquire about influencing or joining the discussion, you can send us a message on any of our social media or an email at jrbnerdcast at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Let's get into it. Howdy. Welcome back to another episode of the Nerdcast. Um, this is your boy Josh, and I got two of my good friends in the studio with me today. I uh, say studio, it's really just an office that happens to have a desk in it with a mixer and a computer, so here we go. It's a studio with canned goods. That's right. Uh, it's actually the pantry. Fun fact. Office pantry. It's, eh. it's great, though, because like when I'm sitting at my desk in my rolly chair, I can just turn and scoot across the room in my rolly chair, grab a snack, turn and scoot back to my desk. It's great. Cold. But, cold soup. Yeah, cold ravioli. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Drink it straight from the can. Must be in college. <laughs> this, this is the wrong podcast to talk about food, though. Um, because we're talking about D&D today. We've got... Um, you probably recognize their voices. They're pretty notorious for being on the podcast at this point. We got Jason and we got Nick. Uh, guys, what are we talking about today? We're talking about Dungeons and Dragons since we're playing it later. That's D&D. Right. That's right. Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it's going to be... We got a few good topics to get into. We got some uh, frequently asked questions that we're going to try to answer. Uh, we've got some cool stories that we're going to tell. Um, and we've also got um, the, the origin story of our Dungeons and Dragons beginnings. So it's going to be pretty cool. But before we get into that... Uh, if you guys don't mind, go ahead and click on over to our website, jrbnerdcast.com, and you can check out some blog posts there. There's going to be a new one going up um, probably either this evening or tomorrow morning from uh, your boy Sean. Oh, uh, he actually wrote one. He actually wrote one. Awesome. Um, instead of sending it to me like in a document in an email, though, he sent it to me all typed out in a Facebook message, and so I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but it's okay. It's all taken hey, care of. Text At least is text. At least he sent it to me, and that's what matters. And it was really good. Uh, so I'm excited to get that one converted to a document up on the website. Um, but then while you're online, you can click on over to patreon.com forward slash the Nerdcast1 and see how you can support us. There's three tiers. I don't remember what they're called. Something about turds, I think. One when, of them is the nerd turds, yeah. yeah. I think that's tier three. That's I what is, I am. Yeah, I think yeah. the nerd turds is tier three, yeah. So uh, go check that out. Uh, content goes up early on the Patreon. And nerd bags? Yeah, nerd bags is one of them. And then nerdlets. That's the yeah, other the one. Nerd yeah, the nerdlets, the nerd bags, and the nerd turds. Yeah, yeah. so um, feel free to you know pay me to call you a nerd turd. I love that. I do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate that, Jason. Um, but now click on over there, see how you can support us. And um, you know if you're financially able and willing to do it, that's awesome yeah if not then you know just keep listening we love it um give us a thumbs up on whatever platform you're listening rate us comment send us messages we love it um i think 
I don't think there's anything else. So I think we can start talking about D and D now. Yeah. So, um, so. so the first, first topic of discussion for today, we're going to talk about, um, the origins of our D and D slash role-playing game obsession, uh, because I think it's safe to call it an obsession for all three of us. Probably the entire group that plays with us could yeah. call it an obsession. Yeah. I'm pretty obsessed. <laughs> uh, so, Nick, why don't you... Actually, Jason, you've been yeah, playing the longest. Say, yeah. Jason, you've been playing the longest, so you start, um, and then I'll go second because mine is like super short, so then Nick can go third. So, Jason, you kick us off. All right, well, cue that time travel uh, sound effect because we're about to go way back to 1988 that's right we have to go back 1988 uh, i was in grade school back and in the dinosaur ages <laughs> exactly <laughs> i had to flintstone my car into school but uh yeah i was in grade school i went to a magnet elementary school uh which i don't know if they still have those but it was pretty it was a pretty progressive uh, kind of public school back in the 70s and 80s um they um, had advanced uh, math and science and um, arts uh, programs there. But uh, I was in remedial reading at the time. I didn't read very well in elementary school. Um, so the librarian at the time, she was kind of a um, kind of a hippie. You know, she had different ideas on how to do stuff. So uh, she'd come up with different incentive programs to get us to read books and turn in book reports. And one was uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, she's uh, if you turn in uh, if our class turned in so many uh, book reports, you know uh, the people that turned in the most would uh, she'd pick four or five and play Dungeons and Dragons in the library, which was great because it was also at the same time I had remedial reading class, which it was like me and one other kid and we got picked on horribly for it. So I you know worked my butt off reading trying to read and turning in book reports, you know, instead of going home and playing our brand new NES that just came out, you know, <laughs> I mean, that just shows your age. I know. Friend. Right. Uh, I would read and try to scribble out book reports because my handwriting was also atrocious. I mean, it was just bad, but it got better after playing D and D. And, uh, when I made the cut and got to join in her D and D game, it was, uh, it was probably the most fun I ever had at school, even though it was like a rated G version of D&D. You know, there was no combat, you know, but she, and she already had character she's made out for us. You know, it was basically us uh, oh, going through uh, caverns and stuff like that, looking for treasure and stuff like that and sneaking around, you know, uh, uh, bears and bats and stuff like that. But that was my first ever foray into the Dungeons and Dragons world. That is really awesome. I saw a story the other day that's similar to that where um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a member of like 15 Dungeons & Dragons groups on Facebook. And one guy posted that he was um, like a, a middle school counselor. And he had this student that uh, was really struggling with math and would come to him to get like tutoring on his math stuff. And to teach him how to do math, they would do like D&D, like combat stuff. And he was like, I tricked the kid into thinking that he was playing a game. But then at the end of it, he had all these equations written out on his paper and he was like, Mr. So-and-so, did you just trick me into doing math? <laughs> and, I, and the guy was like, and I said, yeah, I did. And he was like, that was really fun. Can we do it next week too? It's like, that's so cool. So it's so cool to actually hear a story that actually started like that. That's 
Yeah, that's there's, incredible. There's a lot of schools now that have like a Dungeons and Dra- Dragons club, even that they just they'll play once a week or you know every day after school or you know they're just it's it's a it's getting to that point where people are really realizing oh wait this is actually this can be used as a learning tool like really well. I I, I love that one of our um one of our good friends Nick um Jason you might know him um. But he goes to church with us and he's a teacher at the Harrison High School and he gets to like be a part of their D&D club. And uh, he he was telling me about it a couple weeks ago when we took a trip to uh, well, actually, a couple months ago when we took a trip to Little Rock. He was telling us about it and it was it was so cool to hear like people are actually teaching that now and encouraging it. Because like even when I was in school and you've been playing longer than I've been alive, Jason. So let that sink in. Yeah, you've been you've been playing longer than both of us have been alive. <laughs> so, um, but that anyway, makes me feel so much better. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, even when I was in school, like I graduated what four years ago, four years ago, and um, it was like you were weird if you played role playing games. Like even role playing video games were weird. Is like you weren't cool unless you played like two K or. Uh, call of duty or halo yeah the exception to that was skyrim it was yeah, like if yeah. you played skyrim that's fine but everything else no nerd <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah so that's that's really cool to hear um to hear that so you're you've got a son right and he's yes. like what 12 he's 11 11 so does he play any role-playing games with his buddies uh not really um he's uh he he's leaning towards more the jock uh, aspect of school. You know, he's in archery and stuff like that, which is really big in this area. Oh yeah, a yeah. little bit of basketball, but uh, uh, right now everything to him is uh, archery. I mean, he plays video games and stuff like that, but he hasn't uh, shown any interest in tabletop games as of right now. Well, don't worry, he will. I'm sure he will, <laughs> especially with a dad like you. He for sure will. Um, that's super encouraging, though, to, to hear that, it, you know, schools can have such an impact like that because uh, I work directly with a lot of teenagers um, because of one of my jobs. And so it's cool to to hear that something that I love so much in Dungeons and Dragons and role playing games is actually encouraged in schools and people are realizing Hey, this you know, <laughs> this isn't witchcraft. This isn't like demon summoning. Like yeah. you can learn things. Like you can trick kids into learning math, and you can trick kids into reading better by letting them play D anD. d Yeah, I lived through the satanic yeah, panic. Yeah, the, the good old <laughs> satanic panic, man. So, uh, I guess I'll go ahead and yeah, tell mine yours. because um, mine is mine is pretty simple, and I think I've said it on here before, but. Uh, I was one of those kids in school because, like I said, when I was in school, it was like, if you don't play basketball, then nobody really can. Like, people make fun of you for doing other things and stuff like that. And that's just the reality of high school. Like, (laughs) it sucks, but it's true. Um, And so I was always kind of peer pressured into like, oh, well, um, like I played competitive Call of Duty for a couple of years in high school. um, And even that was weird to people. Like, you know, you could potentially make money off of that. And it's a game about shooting people in war and like that's really cool but even the fact that you would play competitively is weird to people and so there was absolutely no part of me that wanted to gather around a table and roll dice and write on a piece of paper because i didn't i didn't want to get made fun of uh and um i remember you nick 
talking to me and you were like, Hey, um, you know, Hunter Gwynn? And I was like, yeah, I know Hunter. And he's like, well, we're going to, um, play D and D if you want to play with us. And I was like, no, I don't want to play D and D. He's like, okay, well, do you like Lord of the Rings? It's like, yeah, dude, I love Lord of the Rings. It's awesome. He's like, okay, who's your favorite character? Aragorn. Okay. Well, what if I told you you could be Aragorn? And I was like, you're a liar. And then I tried it and Nick helped me make a character that essentially was my version of Aragorn. Um, human ranger that was good with a bow and two handed swords. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like I can literally be Aragorn. Uh, and then it was just like a tailspin from there of like wanting to be characters that I had seen in other stuff to wanting to create my own characters and be things that were different. Uh, and then Nick, when you had, Oh, what was it? Two years you lived with, those guys in that house I, for one, I lived with them for one year, but it was probably about three, four years ago. So that year that you lived with uh, those guys in that house and we would get together, I don't know, probably once a month and play something, whether it was D and D or like all flesh must be eaten. Yeah. Um, or just different stuff. Like we would, we would just hang out and play games and it was like, man, this is so th- like, why haven't I been doing this all of high school? Cause that was right around my senior year. And it was like, that's when I really, got into it and I wish that I would have gotten into it earlier just because like I know that I had friends in high school that would have loved D and D. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that's pretty much my story is uh my brother talked me into it by saying that I could be Aragorn or Strider, if you will. Uh and it pretty much brings us to now that now I've got a <laughs> podcast about D and D and I run a D and D game every week or every other week and um I've written two books now that are based off of D and D like the characters in the book. I literally rolled them on D and D beyond. So it's, um, it's become a huge part of who I am. So thank you, Nick. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just like, at that point in time, yeah, when we were living with them or when I was living with them, uh, we had times when, I was running a game for like 19 people. Yeah, I remember that. That was a nightmare. It's a big game. It was insane. It was a nightmare. And, there was uh, a girl that was a, she was a druid and she would turn into a tiger. Yeah. And she killed like 30 people one night. Yeah. It was insane. And it was like, it was a one shot, right? Because I was like, there's no way I'm running a game. I'm like, I'm not actually running a campaign for 19 players. You are insane. I was like, yeah, they can all come over. I'll do my best to run like one combat encounter. It'll take six hours and then we'll be done. And I was like, that's that's about it. Uh, and I literally, I probably still have the notebook at uh, somewhere at the house that has the initiative order on it. And it's just like the entire page. It's insane because, you know, with 19 players, you have to have so many I've been in big a- groups enemies. and that's, yeah. that's just crazy. And uh Running for anything, well, obviously running for anything more than like six gets crazy, and 19 was just dreadful, but everybody loved it, and as like, coming away from it, everybody was like, that was really fun, like, we should do that again, and I was like, heck no, we're not, we're never doing that again, like, no, never. no, 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 but uh, eventually out of that uh, came an online game that me, Hunter, Sean, Cody, and uh, Elliot were playing, and we played. Even though four of four out of the five of us lived together, we all sat at our own computers and played online so that <laughs> Elliot could play with us. 
and I ran the game online and uh, <clears throat> it gave me an opportunity to like do a bunch of voiceover uh, while everybody was at work. Like I worked different hours than everybody. So while they were all gone, I would set up my microphone and I would record a bunch of voiceover for like the intro to each session. And it was so much fun. Uh, I remember when you did that for a group that we had called the blood sworn. And that was part of the coolest thing. That was probably one of the coolest experiences I've ever had with D and D. Sorry. No, it's fine. (laughs) That's just what I was going to get to is like, I love doing stuff like that. And, and that was specifically with the blood sworn, like you were talking about, that was just to get a bunch of people I knew hadn't ever played D and D, but would love it together to talk about it. Because I was like, this game is awesome. You guys love fantasy stuff. You love sci-fi stuff. Like, you're a nerd, whether you know it or not. Now, that's not like a derogatory term. Like, you're a nerd. You would love this stuff. Like, imagine yourself writing that. And there were a bunch of people I knew that enjoyed writing, and they just never put the two together. Like, they were like, yeah, I'll write a fantasy novel. I was like, well, why don't you just, like, live it? Like, as you're living it in this character, you're writing it, like, at the same time, and you're enjoying yourself with friends. And so that was why I even decided to do the Bloodsworn. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things to do is introduce people to it. I get people constantly asking me up in Springfield all the time at at metagames asking me about D&D. Because I post about it sometimes on my Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And people see that and they're like, oh, you play D&D? like, oh, you run a game on D&D? like, well, yeah. And, oh, what's that like? Like, I've never played it. We had a a guy that wanted to run it, but then he just kind of backed out and nobody ever does it. And so we got like four or five people that want it. And I was like, okay, well, do you have a night free? Like, hop online and I'll run you through a game online for a week. You know, do one game and see how you like it. If you don't, nobody's hurt. Like, you just hung out with everybody that you wanted to hang out with for four hours. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and everybody that I've ever played with like that is, has either come away from it and then just like fallen in love with it and want to play like every week or has been like, yeah, this is something I really enjoy, but eh, I can play it like once a month and I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I've never had a single person be like, no, this isn't for me. I think, um, one time in particular that I remember we had like 30 people show up um to play and it was uh my boss at the time who's not my boss anymore he's just a friend now but my boss and one of my co-workers i invited them to play and i helped them create their characters and after that night they were both like hey that was a lot of fun but do you think nick would be willing to run a game for like just the three of us and Less i was like <laughs> and i was like i absolutely think he would uh, and then it ended up turning into a campaign where we, I think we played it for like six or seven weeks and then somebody had to move and it just, it ended up fizzling out. But, right. but still it was like, they had never played before. Um, but both of them played, um, World of Warcraft. And I was like, this is literally World of Warcraft it's just like on paper. Life. Wow. <laughs> wow. was a gateway drug. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is literally World of Warcraft just on paper and dice instead of on a yep. computer. And uh, they were like, oh, yeah, we'll give it a shot. And they loved it. And we played for, you know, two months. And then, you know, adult yeah, things of, happened. One of them did have to move. but Adult things happened and we weren't able to continue. But it was still, like, it was really fun. And it was it was a heck of a time. Um, I had, uh, <laughs> I had 
uh, a guy the other day. I've got a tattoo on my wrist that says, I write for fear of silence. Uh, one of the guys that I work with saw it the other day um, at work, and he was like, hey, what, is, what does that mean? Is that a quote from something? And I was like, yeah, it's a quote from me. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, it's a quote from my book. Like, literally, it's straight out of my book. I got it tattooed on, on my skin. He's like, what do you mean, your book? So I told him, I was like, man, I've written two high fantasy novels. Um, not published, because I don't think they're that good, and publishing is expensive. But then he started asking me about it, and I started kind of telling him the plot of the book and telling him the world and everything. And uh, and then I was like, wait a minute. We play D&D in Athendale. Why don't I just tell him that? Uh, and he's he's listened to the podcast before and he follows the facebook page and everything and he was like yeah uh he's like i don't really like D is something that's like seems cool but i don't really know if i want to try it and he's like i don't really get it so i mean i had a 45 minute conversation with this guy at work the other day about like what D is uh and it's it's so it's so weird to me that there's such a negative stereotype with the word nerd yeah right like um People are always like, oh, you play Dungeons and Dragons? That's nerd stuff. I'm not a nerd. It's like, okay. Heck well, yeah, it's nerd stuff. <laughs> like, like, do you like Star Wars? Yeah. All right, nerd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I, I don't know. I think it's crazy that there's such a negative um, implication when somebody calls you a nerd. Like, if somebody calls you a nerd, be proud of it. Like, heck yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> always know? been well, my thing. And I, I think uh, in these last few years, you know, the negative you know, look on it has actually gone down quite a bit. Yeah. Especially with Disney buying out everything, everything this nerd yeah. culture yeah. and just throwing it in box office hits, you know. Yeah. yeah. I think a big part of that too has been um, the success of Marvel. Because like Marvel used to be just comic books and people that read comic books and like superheroes, you were nerds. You were yeah. nerds. Yeah. And now, now my mom loves Marvel movies. It's like my mom is the furthest thing from a nerd. But she yeah. loves Marvel. Well, and and literally last night, me, mom, and dad watched uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And that is essentially, it is a comic book put into animation. Uh, even the art style is, <laughs> it's a comic book art style. And so it's like, mom loved it. It was like, mom, you like comic books. That's what you like. <laughs> yeah. You understand that, right? Like, yeah. yeah. It's not that you just like superhero movies. Like, you like comic books. That was just a comic book. If you weren't reading it, you were just seeing it. Yeah. Like, and I think a lot of people just don't realize that a lot of the stuff that they like is kind of nerdy. Like, and that's okay. <laughs> it's okay if somebody calls you, it's okay to identify as a nerd, you know? Like, you know, I would have never thought in high school that I would call myself a nerd. But then when I look back at high school, I was like, man, now, like hindsight, it's like, man, I was a huge nerd. But mm-hmm. if you'd asked me in high school, I'd have been like, nah, man, you know, like I, I play like three sports. I'm not a nerd, but I played video games. I played Skyrim. I played D&D my senior year. He says as if Skyrim isn't a video game. <laughs> well, <laughs> I yes. played video games and, and Skyrim. Skyrim. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> Skyrim. To be fair, I think uh, Skyrim is its own entity. I mean, it does transcend yeah. Yeah. Video, the video game title. But Skyrim is like a whole nother, like, it's a whole Just the Elder game. Scrolls in general. Yeah. yeah. So, um, now we're going to do, now that we know how we all got into Oh, we D&D. didn't do my story. I thought we did. No, we didn't do my story. Oh, never mind. Nick, tell here's us your my story. <laughs> here's, yeah, we got sidetracked. Here's here's my story. Uh, is that I was on YouTube, and I was just messing around. As you do. And uh, there's this YouTuber, It Me JP, and he was a StarCraft commentator, 
back in the day, I love playing StarCraft. So I was watching through some of his YouTube videos, and there was this new series called Roleplay. And him and three other people who had never played Dungeons and Dragons before were playing D&D 2nd Edition with a guy who had been playing since he was six or something like that, right? Like he's, he's DMing the game and the four players have never even seen a a player's handbook. Right. And they're going to broadcast it live every week uh, and then release it throughout the week uh, on YouTube in four sections. And, uh, and I watched the first episode and I was like, this is for me. <laughs> I, I I don't even know. I think it was like six years ago that it released, but <clears throat> I had been playing, like I, I played competitive Halo for years. Like when I was, I don't know, probably like 12, 13, um, I started playing Halo 2 and competed through Halo 2 all the way through Halo 5 in online tournaments or traveling to events or whatever. Like, I wanted to make that my job. I wanted to just be a professional Halo player. But I never really had the... I I never really got that opportunity. Which is, like, just as much on me as it is on anything else. But uh, that just didn't pan out necessarily. So, uh, stemming from that, I was always, like, a nerd. Right? Like, I've always been a nerd. And... Just that gaming culture and that competitive gaming culture drew me in uh, to other games as well. And so I started playing StarCraft and then started watching content creators for StarCraft stumble upon D&D there. And I had actually played a couple of, not D&D, but other role-playing systems online with other people. Not necessarily even knowing that I was doing it. So it was in stuff like I'd played World of Warcraft, I'd done stuff like that, and, and in a way that's the same thing. Uh, but then I'd also just like I'd gotten onto uh, like text only RPGs, right? And at the time I was like, this is just a fun adventure story that we're making up as we're going. But I didn't know that was like that was D and D. Just I wasn't rolling dice. I was just typing what I wanted my character to do and then whoever was running the game or moderating this forum or whatever was rolling or you know deciding what was going to happen and uh when I saw that YouTube video I was like I have to learn how to do this this is going like this is going to change my life and so I bought the 3.5 uh core books and I got, oh, I got them for Christmas, actually. I got the 3.5 books for Christmas. And I got, like, a magical items compendium and you know, a few, I had, like, six books. Uh, yeah, I remember that year because <laughs> mom and dad were like, Nick, all you got for Christmas was You're books. Like, you got $50 books. What are you doing? <laughs> it was like. Uh, Best Christmas ever. Of, yeah. Of, like, uh, everyone who bought you Christmas presents that year, it was, like, $400 in D and D books. Yeah. And, and like, I had what? still like, I had still never actually played it. Like I got the books, never had sat down at a table with friends and played it. And I was like, I'm all in spending $400 this Christmas on just these books because I know that they're going to be worth it. Then like a month later, still hadn't played. 
<laughs> and I was like, Matthew, Joshua, Dad, you are playing this game. I will run it for you. I have read through every manual like five times, cover to cover. You're playing it. And I finally convinced him. And I said, no, unless I can be Aragorn. <laughs> yeah, I finally convinced him. And so my first game of like playing physical Dungeons and Dragons around a table was the same time Joshua played his first game. You know, I had played outside of that without knowing it, but I actually had no idea. Just a disclaimer. Yeah, so that was my first time actually, like, physically playing, and I was running it. So, like, physically playing the game, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't a player character until, like, three years later. I only ran the game. Like, I only DM'd for, like, a solid three years. And then eventually Hunter was like, hey, I want to run a game of All Flesh Must Be Eaten. And we have the group. Do you think they'd want to play? And I was like, absolutely. And that'll give me a chance to actually play a game instead of <laughs> run a game and be a character. And so that was the first time I'd ever actually played. Uh, and then now, fast forward to now, and I play and run multiple games uh, on Roll20 or just various online sources or uh, just like one shots with people that I meet randomly and I'm like hey do you like D&D do you want to <laughs> like D&D yeah, so yeah, I spent a lot of time uh, in the 90s uh, playing in chat rooms yeah so that's I mean I lived in a really rural area in West Texas I mean right. the nearest town was like 60 miles away right so uh, but we did have dial up and we did have uh, <laughs> chat rooms and that's uh, how we that's how I played for most of the nineties. <laughs> yeah, that that was that's kind of my story into it. And then yeah, like I said, fast forward to now where I'm I'm like playing two to three times a week, usually. Uh no the only nights I really have free. Uh, actually I never really have a free <laughs> never Same. really have a free night because anytime I won't have something to do, I'm like I get on roll twenty and try and find some someone to play. Uh, try and find an open game. Uh, it's it's just so much fun. It's uh, it's a lot of fun and it's very addicting too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, in a good way though. It's not it's like much better than crack. It's not it's like, like <laughs> it's not like drugs addicting. Like it's the good kind of addicting. And uh, I said it when Sean and Tanner were on. Um, and and I'll say it again because I fully believe in it. You know, the Bible tells us that we need to have community around us we need to have a group of people that we you know spend time with and i think when you get a dnd group you do just that you know you get your you get your your people uh like i mean i've got i'm i'm part of a community group at our church but like you guys are you guys are home you know like right <laughs> well i think like one of the cool things about uh specifically tabletop rpgs is that it it does bring that bond because even if you wouldn't hang out with that person outside of that game just through your characters getting closer you as players get closer mm -hmm. because you want to know more about that character's backstory and your character wants to know more about that character and so you end up talking with that guy a lot more or that girl a lot more and then eventually you get to that point where you're like hey you want to just like go hang out and talk about what's going on in our lives like <laughs> like I like talking about D and D, but I also just like hanging out with you. Like that's, yeah. Like um, uh, one of my best friends now is Tanner Gibson, and yeah. I 
I knew Hunter four or five years before I knew Tanner, and Tanner is Hunter's cousin, and Hunter introduced us through D&D. It was like, I, I texted Hunter, and I was like, hey, man, uh, I'm running a game. You want to play? And he was like, sure. Can Tanner come? Yeah, and I've also got a cousin that wants to play. <laughs> yeah, and that was the first time I really ever met Tanner, and now since then there have been nights that like Tanner will just come over and watch a Razorback game. You yeah. know, like we'll just hang out with each other, and it, it it's awesome. Um, I mean, look at look at me in this group. I mean, uh, in what world would y'all be hanging out exactly, with a yeah. you know forty uh, year old burnt out punk rocker? <laughs> from the, you know? That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I'm like half your age, um, and the reason we met was Sean through yeah. D and D. Yeah, um, because Sean, I'd heard him say the word Silva before. And I didn't know what it meant. Yeah, he was always talking smack about Silva. And then... Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I believe I'm it. Just kidding. <laughs> and then uh, a spot opened up in our game, and he was like, hey, I know this guy named Silva that'd like to play. And I was like, oh, that's what Silva means. Well, see, uh, if oh, y'all Silva's remember a right, person. I actually played in the Bloodsworn, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I wasn't in your group. I was, uh, yeah, right, Nick was yeah. running it. It was like me, Sean, yeah, and yeah, some yeah. other people. And uh, after that kind of fizzled out, you know, and Sean kept telling me about y'all's group. And I want to go back to saying that D&D is almost as addictive as drugs because <laughs> when he told me y'all had a, a open spot in this game, I literally grabbed him by his shirt and told him, get me in this game or I'll hurt you in your sleep. I know where you live. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, hey, I'm glad that you're in the game. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to have you as a player because... Um, one, it brings a lot of experience to the table. Because you brought Ancelot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did. Uh, that's why it smells like onions. One, it brings a lot of experience to the table. Two, you bring food sometimes. Uh, and three, you're just fun. Like, I think you build your characters that way just to, like, comic relief. Because there are a lot of times that, like, as a DM or even as a player in the Star Wars game, your character will say something. And I'm like, Jason, you idiot. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like wait a minute. Well, I asked Sean uh, before uh, the campaign start, or before I joined the campaign. I'm like, "What's the mood of the campaign? Is, is it uh, just a bunch of murder hobos? Is it serious? Uh, is there a bunch of comic relief?" And he's like, uh, "It's pretty serious. We just had a, a PC die, and you know, it's uh, everybody's kind of sad." I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna go the comic relief route." <laughs> yeah, and I love it, and, and I think um, you 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 gave me a lot to play with with uh, Junior. I don't know about Corbin because I don't run that game, but um, oh, I got plenty of stuff. You gave don't me, you, worry. <laughs> you gave me a lot to play Rip. with uh, as far as Junior goes, because I mean, Junior's a warlock, so that in itself is like a, you know, that's that's a nightmare Warlocks waiting cool. to happen, yeah. <laughs> you know. But, um, but again, like th- that's just that's just the three of us emphasizing to you guys listening at home that uh, play D and D, even if people call you a nerd. <laughs> You know, like, like just embrace it and be people like people you're playing with. You know, they know, they know. Yeah, they're it's yeah, it's like nothing you've ever done yeah. before in your life. I I know a lot of people are scared because of the RP aspect of it. You know, they're yep. you know trying to get an introvert to you know uh, act out. You know, like right, improv. Right. You know, it, it's it's really nerve wracking, especially if it's your first time. Right. You know, but well, that's kind of one thing I was gonna say, even though. Like, obviously, we're, like, specifying RPGs because that's what this this podcast, like, today's topic is D&D. But also, just, like, games in general, right? Like, specifically board games. Uh, because, like, the same thing that Matthew had in the blog post, 
of like video games are great. All of us love video games, but there's just something different about a board game when you have to come to a table with your friends and sit around and actually interact with them person to person rather than person to screen. Like there's a different feeling that comes with that. So that's just that's just one of the many benefits of tabletop RPGs, but it's also just the benefit of all tabletop games in general. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, I'm I'm very excited for the next section uh, because the next portion is frequently asked questions, um, and so the way we're gonna do it. You can go online and you can find tons of forums of frequently asked questions. We're going to have a couple of those. Nick's got his laptop pulled up. Uh, we're going to have a couple of those, but we're going to do um, at least one from each of us because I can I, really, I can only think of one at the, at the moment, but another one may pop up as we're talking. But uh, I want to hear a frequently asked question that people frequently ask you about D&D. So... Um, you know, it can be rules based. It can be like, you know, why do you play that game? How do you play that game? You know, different kinds of stuff. Uh, but what's, what's some frequently asked questions that people, um, will frequently ask you about D and D either one of you can start. I don't care. Uh, I, I run this, uh, run a game, uh, at the jail for a couple of my, um, trusty inmates. And, um, I know (laughs) it sounds weird, but it, I mean, D and D in jails and prisons has been going on for a long time. Yeah, and uh, it, uh, the guys that I run for, you know, they uh, they get to go home like uh, every couple months. They're you know pretty they're low risk offenders and stuff like that. So uh, I I think of it as like an incentive. Uh, you know, trying to get them something positive. You know, when they get out. Maybe they go out uh, to a hobby shop, you know, get a game of their own, or maybe we can continue on Roll20 since they're, you know, live miles away from, you know, uh, where they're incarcerated at here. But some of the other inmates or guards, you know, when we were playing, uh, they'll stop by and they're like, oh, who's winning? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you don't win this game. <laughs> they're like, well, uh, or when we get done, they're like, oh, who won? I'm like, we all did. All of us? <laughs> I mean... Uh, I mean, the alternative is, yeah, we all died. So technically, yeah, you can lose, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the dragon won. Yeah, you but can, I think, you most, can I think a lot of people that uh, don't really uh, have a good grasp on what the game is think it's more of a board game or like yeah, a yeah. war uh, war strategy game, kind of like Warhammer or something like that. But Yeah, I think that's a big misconception that people have is uh, just because I, like 95% of games that are made and have ever been made are like... Who wins? Like right. that—that's the end of ninety-five percent of games. So when you play a game that uh, doesn't have a winner, uh, it can have losers, but it, it doesn't have a winner. Mm-hmm. People are like, "This is so weird. I have and no idea what's happening." That's the thing too is like even when you get to a point where, uh, like, if you're fighting the dragon and that's like your quote-unquote final battle, if you win that battle, then you. I mean, yeah, you won that fight, but you're still not really considered a winner because the game's not over. Yeah, you, you, know, only, you can keep playing the game. <laughs> you only won if then your DM says, and that's the end, yeah. <laughs> and you're done. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's not winning. Saddest, that's yeah. going to be the saddest moment any player yeah. has ever heard. Is that, that's and that's the, the end? end of the campaign, guys. But, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I still had like nine things that I wanted my character to do. Yep. 
uh, hopefully now, um, I can't, I, I've got a really cool idea planned, um, for Athendel that hopefully is going to keep this going for a good chunk of time. Um, hopefully I'll never have to say, and that's the end folks. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, I never hope for character deaths, but I'm hoping that instead of saying like, like in critical role, like, Oh, well you all survived and that's the end of the first campaign and let's start another one. Um, which is fine. You know, they've done really well with that platform and that, um, what's the word I'm looking for that. I don't know. I have no idea what the word you're looking for is. I don't know. Um, uh, formula, formula. That's the word I was looking for. They've done fine with that formula of like, everybody lives. That's the end of the campaign. Let's start a new one with new characters. My kind of hope is that, um, maybe at the point where we start reaching the end of this story, uh, and this is, this sounds terrible and I don't mean it like terribly, but all of our characters will die. I know, <laughs> no, but I do hope that not all at once, of course, but I hope that like, you know, maybe slowly they get picked off. <laughs> I hope that like, like if Ellerim dies, then you'll create a new character and he'll mesh with the group. And then maybe Segan will die and Sean will create a new character and, and we'll just keep it going that way and never have to say like, well, that's the end of this campaign. We can just keep playing. And maybe by the time that, you know, maybe by the time we do quit or yeah, you know, heaven forbid, we have to just stop playing. We'll all have different characters. Right. And I kind of, I, I disagree with you on that. However, that's one of the cool things about D and D is that you, there's no like correct way to do anything necessarily. Right. It's like the only thing that is a hundred percent correct in D and D is I shoot the dragon, right? Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there, there's no uh, right or wrong outside of that is like, in this, like in that specific scenario, I greatly prefer what they did on Critical Role because, mm-hmm. like, he had a story planned out, and he said at the end of this story, that's the end of this game. Your characters will either live or die after that, and if they do live, then we can get together every now and then, and we can like play those characters and see what they're up to later on down the road. But for the most part, you can just write that story and. That's not something that's like, because once you get to like, I don't know, level 18, level, well, probably like level 17 for most characters, you're just like, okay, I can kill anything. Mm-hmm. I'm basically like, well, like Marisha says on, uh, we're basically gods. Yeah. Uh, right before turning into a goldfish and dying. <laughs> uh, she's like, we're basically gods. And uh, like, that's the feeling that you get though, is like, there's no enemy that is great enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that campaign ended yeah, where and, it needed to and end. And so when you get oh, to I, that I story... I totally agree. I don't so think like, anything they did was... I, I thought it was all executed very well. Right. I just think like when you get to the end of that story, and, and that's usually around level 18, 19, 20, depending on how much you want to farm that... You want your players to be able to farm that last bit of experience. Uh, you end up like... Once you finish that story, like there's, there's nowhere for those characters to go, mm-hmm. really. And so then... Then you come into it like they did with Critical Role, and you're like, "Well, we're staying in the same world. We're gonna fast forward 20 years, right?" And we're—I don't know how. I don't actually don't know if it's 20 years. I think it is, but it's—it's it's something like that. Uh, and and, that and very we're gonna well... move over to a different continent, and we're gonna explore Wild Mount now. So create new characters, and let's see what happens now. That very well could be what ends up happening with us. Is like, you know, Athendel is a very small portion of the world that you're in. Athendel is just one continent made up of three countries. I mean, 
you might travel to Villabore with your new campaign uh, or well, not anytime soon because you guys are right, all like right. level seven. And so we still got a ways to go, but uh, level uh, five. five. Oh, my bad. Um, weird. Oh, that's I made when I made uh, Crowley, I made Crowley level seven. So that's why I thought you guys were level seven. Weird. You made him level seven, and I was still better than him. Uh, I was told to make him <laughs> level seven, and you're Weird. a monk, so it doesn't. I don't want to hear Weird. it. Weird. You are OP. <laughs> monks are better than everyone. So, um, Nick, what's a frequently asked question about D and D that people frequently ask you? Uh, things that people frequently ask me is, well, I get asked like just a very general question of. Just the very general question of what is D&D? And I'm like, I, I don't have nearly enough time. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I don't know what D&D is. <laughs> but uh, the answer that I normally get for that is like, have you played Skyrim? Yeah. Okay, imagine playing that, but you're rolling dice and writing on a piece of paper. And instead of using a controller or a mouse and keyboard to tell your character what to do, you're just imagining it. And then you're telling somebody, they're telling you if it's going to work or not. And then put like four other people with you. And they're all doing the same thing. And that's D&D. And I was like, and it sounds hectic and it sounds dumb. And sometimes it is, but, uh, it's, it's amazing. And you'll form bonds that you never thought you would. And, uh, and and then I get, you know, questions about like, well, I I see that it says D&D 5E. What does that mean? I'm like, well, that means fifth edition. And like fifth edition. What you think that you know with a game you just make it once and it's good? And I'm like, well, yeah, sure. <laughs> it, it was good in it first was. edition, but and now then, it's better. <laughs> I was like, it was good then, and it was good second edition, and it was good in three, and it was good now. It's like it wasn't great in four, but it you know. I like to compare second edition with the Clone Wars. Yeah, that's a great comparison <laughs> actually, because second edition, you know, there's so many. Well, there's just so many different things now. That it's it's more like simplified, I think is the best way to say it is everything's streamlined in fifth edition. Very. Where like you know, in second edition oh man. It, there were so many things to consider in second edition. Uh and even in three point five, like three point five had less. It was more streamlined in second. And in three point five, it it just had so many like floating modifiers. Same thing as like Pathfinder, one of the main quote-unquote issues with pathfinder that a lot of people have is like trying to remember well in combat i'm i'm flanking him and i'm surprising him and i have this bow that gives me a plus one and i'm and he's an orc so i get another plus one so it's a plus seven but then i also have this magical arrow that's enchanted it's another plus one so to hit is a plus eight okay roll that and then my dex modifier is a plus four so i get to add that to it as well so it's a plus 12 to this and then the next attack is completely different yeah and, see, and it's like oh, um, come on just <laughs> tanner um tanner started out as a pathfinder player and so there are often times when in in either of our games tanner will be like am i flanking him and then we're like it's not how it works buddy and he's like oh yeah <laughs> yeah so and, it, and, and it's not a mechanic. bad thing yeah. it's just like he just that's the way that he remembers learning how to play and so he's right. like oh hey i get an advantage for flanking like not necessarily well and in fifth edition there is a flanking rule but it's it's different than most most i mean yeah in the past it was like you add two to your role or you know whatever the addition was you know you, you would do different things but now they're like okay well if you're on exact opposite sides of them then you get advantage on this role 
But also, Advantage wasn't a thing until 4th edition, so... Uh, but that's another thing, is people all, are always confused about, well, what is 5e? And uh, there's this book here that says... Uh, the leg- or the What's it called? The Legends of Middle-Earth, I think is what it's called. It's the Legends of Middle-Earth, uh, 5e compatible. What does that mean? Does that mean I can buy that book and play D&D, but in Middle-Earth? Like, well, technically, yes. Technically. Uh, <laughs> but no. Like, yeah, you still have to buy the, the PHP. Right. But, yeah. Like, that gives you the Middle-Earth setting. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's kind of confusing for people who don't know. So that gets asked a lot. One of the things, and I mentioned it already, was... Um, one of the, the guy at work, the one that I'm thinking of, the one that saw my tattoo, he asked me, he was like, so is D&D like, um, like medieval times? And my answer to that, anytime anybody asks me that is like, if you want it to it's be. like, it can be, you know, it doesn't have to be like we play technically the Star Wars game that we play isn't D&D. Yeah, medieval times had dragons and yeah, real exactly. magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's less like plague. fantasy medieval times. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the Star Wars game we play isn't technically D&D. But we, we got to stop saying technically. Yeah, sorry. Because every time it just makes me think of Laura Bailey going, technically. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Um, but I told him, it was like, you know, you can play medieval times where you don't have any magic. Because uh, really, D&D, yes, it is Dungeons and Dragons. But at the same time, you can you can play a role-playing game that's set in medieval England where you're like a knight of the round table. Yeah, and there's play, no magic and it could still be considered D&D. You can play King Arthur Pendragon. Yeah, that was one thing I was going to get to is like, uh, what, so, so I don't, I don't know what D&D is, right? I come to you and I'm like, hey, I kind of want to play this role playing game, but the only thing I know now is D&D and I don't want to play one that's set with magic and dragons and orcs and stuff like that. What do I do? And, uh, my answer to that is like, there is literally a game for anything you want to play. So Mm -hmm. like literally anything if, if you want to play one that's modern day it exists you know listen i played a game called deadlands which was basically yeah. a, a steampunk wild west mm-hmm. uh, with rifts that crazy monsters came out of yeah and there's stuff like that sounds awesome like you were awesome. saying like you can play a knight of the round table you can play king arthur pendragon and there's no magic or well okay there's there's very low fantasy so there's like merlin right and the magicians but there's no like character magic. There's no like druids or right. wizards or and you have to like every session that you play is considered a year and at the end of each year you roll to see if you had children. You roll <laughs> to see if your children are male or female. You roll to see if your children live and then in 18 years, so 18 sessions from now, if your son uh was born and lived, you now start playing as your son instead of your character. And it's like that's really cool. because your son is growing up, and then he becomes a knight, and so you start playing as the this knight. That's it's really such cool. a cool system, and it. We need to do a one shot of that, um, like well, I say one shot. We need to do a campaign of that, but do it like, uh, like once a month or once every two months or something like in between, like any time that me or you need a break from our regular game, play King Arthur Pendragon, or I probably have like forty five different. Uh, role playing, um, like books, just all different 
brands and games and stuff. One of my favorites that's outside of um, the two that we play, because obviously the two that we play are our favorites because they're the ones that we continue playing. My favorite outside of those two, though, is probably 7th Sea because it's literally Pirates of the Caribbean in a book. Yeah, <laughs> like it's yeah it really so is. dope. It's really fun. It, my favorite is Mouse Guard. Mouse Guard's really cool, too. Have you heard about Mouse Guard? Is that the one where everybody plays a mouse? Yeah, yes, it's I so have. cool. Mouse Guard is And the is art that, in the manual is so nice. Is, um, so the, is, the is board Mouse game Guard, that I have, Mice and Mystics, yeah, is Mice and based Mystics. off of mouse guard that's what that's the it's one like I was very loosely based yeah it, mice and mystics is cool because it like it gives you well it's like a board game so it gives you like the um it's like the, the fourth edition version of mouse guard if <laughs> yeah so they give you like a little pamphlet at the beginning that has stories and then you play through the story in the pamphlet um but you play as mice and it's a board game that you kind of yeah. build as you go so it's kind of cool um I yeah, mouse played, guard. Like, tell me, it guard. wouldn't. It, you can play a ferret. You can you can be a ferret. <laughs> tell <laughs> me, a, tell me that's not been your dream. Like, I want to play an RPG dream. where I am a ferret. I think <laughs> what we're getting at is there's an RPG for every <laughs> literally taste. literally everything. That literally, you when I was in everything. college, I, uh, I was in two D and D games, a Vampire the Masquerade game, and a werewolf game, mm-hmm. and a riffs game. I forgot about riffs. Yeah. There, I mean, okay. Give me a setting. Literally um, any setting. Uh, Korean invasion of the United States. Korean invasion of the United States. Not specifically Korean invasion. Just of an the invasion United of the United States. I, I, I think there is a Red so Dawn type. There game. is, yeah, there is a Red Dawn type game. There's also stuff that you can play that uh, would take place in the aftermath of that, like Apocalypse World. Yep. Uh, what else is there? I mean, there's All Flesh, which is Walking Dead, but it could... Right. It's apocalyptic. There's so. a... There's a more... Uh, there's a very close to the Walking Dead version of uh, a role-playing game that's called Outlast. No. What is it called? No, that is... Uh, Outlast Undead, I, I want to say, is what it's called. Um, Or Outbreak Undead. That's what it's called. And... It's a very complex system, but it has an entire, uh, like, I don't even know what they call it. It has an entire system that allows you to answer, like, 50 questions, and then it makes about yourself. So it asks you 50 questions that you answer about yourself honestly, and then it gives you a character sheet out of that that is stats in-game that you would have in the game. That's pretty cool. So you can make yourself as a character... Off of like a fifty question uh, questionnaire, essentially. That's Just pretty so cool. cool. Like uh, <laughs> when we sat down to play All Flesh, and Tanner was like, "Hey, here's how you create your characters, um, and you guys are gonna play yourselves." I was like, mm, "What?" Like making myself as a character was one of the most bizarre experiences of my entire uh-huh. life yeah. because it's like it really forces you to kind of look in the mirror, and you're like, "Well, I think I'm good at this," and then you're sitting around a table with people that are with you every single week, and they're like yeah, you're okay at that, but you're better at this. And I'm like, really? I'm better at that. And like one of the, uh, one of the features was clown and Jacob was like, yeah, Josh, you should take clown. And I was like, no, bro, you should take clown. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like, I don't know if I should be offended or happy that you said that. Like, I I don't know how to react to that. So that was one that was like creating yourself in a post-apocalyptic world and on a character sheet was a little unnerving. It it was, it was, 
it was weird, but it was because what happens that game if you die? Was a lot you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like, oh well, now what do I do? <laughs> like, like Josh, nobody died, wants so to think that they're going to die yeah. in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> exactly. All right, Nick, uh, let's answer two online FAQs, and then we'll move on to our D and D stories, uh, our favorite moments in our D and D careers, and then we'll wrap up because um, we're getting pretty lengthy here. Fifty-five minutes, boys. Wow. All right, so uh, I'm gonna pick. Um, let's see. Also, do I need miniatures? Um, shout out to the Rogue's Den for um, uh, sponsoring this episode. Rogue's um, Den. Do you need miniatures? Yes. Do I are miniatures required to play Dungeons and Dragons? The answer to that question is no. Are they required? No. The are an- they encouraged? Yes. Yeah. The answer to that question is between the players and the DM, a hundred percent. Because there you may play in games where your DM says yes, you will need a miniature because we will be using a combat map all the time, and you may play in games like the games that I run where your DM is going to be like. No, we don't use maps. We just use theater of the mind unless we have 19 players. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, if I have less than six players, I try to never use a map. I, I always let people imagine what is happening. Uh, now, obviously, sometimes you have to use maps, but you can always use stand-ins for minis if you absolutely had to. Yeah. Like, in my, in my case, I try not to use minis uh, just because it, it does raise the cost a little bit, especially mm-hmm. if, like, I don't play like i'm not a merciful gm (laughs) i just let i let it go how the dice roll right so if your character dies your character is dead and we move on you roll up a new character Mm -hmm. and like that sucks but that's part of the game like sometimes in life people die and you can't just be like well shucks i guess uh i guess i'll let him live you know he died (laughs) yeah like uh he got eaten like he didn't come back from that i'm sorry yeah and no. so you move on, and and so I try not to be like, no, you should buy a mini because when people buy customized minis, it if they don't print it themselves, it's like forty bucks before painting it. That's a lot of time and effort and money, and I don't want to be forcing people to do that over and over and over again for a game where your character might die in two sessions. You know, right, right. Now on the flip side of that, though. Um... If you don't want to buy like a custom one, you can buy. Most game shops yeah. will have just like a generic like yeah, you can be, Wizards like of the Coast pack or, of like here's a two pack of an elf fighter right. with swords, and you can buy it unpainted like and painted. one with swords, one with a sword and shield. Yeah, you know? and th- you can get those for like six bucks. So I mean, yeah, and you can get Reapers minis or Bones minis or Wiz yeah. Kids and stuff like that. Uh, there's a store, uh, I can't remember the name of it. We went to it a couple weeks ago. Uh, in Bolivar, Missouri, where they were having a closeout on their Bones minis, and they were selling every single package of Bones minis, no matter what it was, was uh, $2.99. And I was like, I want to buy all of them. But, I mean, if you want to play with minis, check your local game store. Or or look on eBay or Amazon. You can get them fairly cheap. But, like Nick said, you don't have to use minis. Yeah, just talk with, if you're a player who's going to ask that question, just talk to your DM. And because your DM's going to have all of the answers for your specific campaign, this is just more general stuff. But uh, if you are a player and wanting to know uh, if your GM says yes, you will need a character, you will need a mini. Maybe you don't have you don't have to buy a custom mini. Just buy one that's going to look different than everybody else's. And one thing that I did for a long time 
was if I when I bought a mini, I would then build characters around that mini. Yeah. That way it worked. You know. Yeah. I they may not use the same weapons or whatever, but I built the character similar to that character th- that mini. I've been playing for almost thirty years, and this campaign that we're in is probably the second game ever I've played that had minis. Right. And that's like and and we use them. But we don't use them every week, and no. and we and we don't even you know, use them for all of our combat. Like right, if sometimes we're in, you just don't need them. It's well, now that I have a junior mini, I want to use him. Yeah, like every yeah, because he is. Really oh, I feel you. I good feel looking. You. Um, on the flip side of that, though, like if you do want a customized mini, if you want one that's custom but you don't want to pay forty bucks for it, you can go to Hero Forge and you can buy the file for like fifteen bucks. Send us an email at the Nerdcast. We got two guys with three D printers. And we can print it for you. I will pay for it out of pocket, print it, and ship it to you if you will pay the 15 bucks for the file. Like, straight up. Like, if you will send us that file, I will pay for the material to print it and ship it to you if that's the route you want to go. Straight up. So, there's that option. If you want a custom mini and don't want to drop 40 bucks, I'm about to drop you some emails. (laughs) (laughs) I won't have to ship yours, though. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. So, uh... This one's kind of a two-parter, but it's, it's technically two questions on here, but I'm going to combine it into one. All right, shoot. Hey, Baylor. <laughs> Bless, Bless you. you. You said shoot, and uh, I thought you said a chew, and so I sneezed. Because <laughs> uh, that's how it works. No, I'm just allergic to everything. Um, Ditto. So the first one is how do I run a sandbox game, and then the second one is how do I write an, write an adventure. And um, I'm just going to kind of mix them together, so... Uh, if you don't know, a sandbox game is one that doesn't necessarily have an adventure. It mm-hmm. just is, here's the world, go do what you want to do. And yeah. and that's a lot more difficult in my mind. Yeah, uh, the DM's always having to react yeah, to everything. Which, yeah. and, and DM's that's more kind of, of like flying by the seat of his pants, which is what I do some sessions. Like, right. It's weird because like, some sessions I'm sandbox, some sessions I'm railroad. It's weird. Right. And here's and here's what I would say on that. And th- and like I said, the other one is how do I write an adventure? And an adventure, it, what I do is a combination of both. To where Same. I take an adventure that I want to happen, and I put that adventure into a sandbox. Right? Same. So they're not forced to do those things in that order if they don't want to. Like, they can go wherever they want, do whatever they want, uh, and they can take two years of game uh, of out of game time to follow this one thread but eventually they will and and that's kind of and, and that's on the dm to like leave breadcrumbs to lead them to that and yeah you gotta indirectly direct yeah, yeah yeah and, and and that's that's there's a fine line to do it between now obviously like your first session of that campaign if you're going into it with a mindset of like i want a sandbox uh, that's fine, but your first session, you're going to railroad. Almost every first session should railroad, in my opinion, because at least, unless you have like a session zero, yeah. where you get uh, to sit down with either each player individually or all of them together and say, hey, this is what's happening in the world. This is why you guys are together, why you know each other, and why you're adventuring together. This is what your current plan is. And why that current plan exists. And unless you can do that before the game actually starts, then your first session will always need to explain those things. Otherwise, you're just going to have a map sitting there and you're going to be like, okay, go. And then I'll be like, well, what? 
Yeah, it's, there's so much information that it's just going to overwhelm them. One of the things that really kind of terrified me going into my first session, which is why I, I over-prepped my first session, which is fine. If you over-prep, you know, no big deal. It's better to over-prep. Yeah, I, I way over-prepped my first DM session because I was like, well, I'm introducing my characters to each other. Like, they don't know each other. They're meeting each other in this city. One of them is, you know, a Goliath who people are going to be racist towards because in this area of the world, there's no Goliaths. So he's coming in, you know, into this port city and then there's going to be these other people there. How do I get them to all kind of come together? Uh, And so it was nerve wracking for me to set that up because it was like, okay, well, what if I give them a situation where like, Hey, this, and I think the actual situation was uh, there was a girl that was kidnapped and taken to like some goblin cave. And it was a girl that your character was in love with. And I was like, okay, well, Nick is going to go, but just because Nick's going, that doesn't mean that Sean's character is going to go. So what if like this whole scene happens in the pub and Jacob, Nick's character is like, all right, I'm going. And then he's the only one of the group that's like, yeah, I'll go. And the rest of them are like, I don't know this girl. That's what terrified me. But at the same time, it's like, your players are there to have an adventure. If you put one in front of them. None of them are going to say, no, I don't want to go rescue that girl. (laughs) Right. (laughs) A lot of, uh, and this kind of goes into how to write an adventure. I think uh, to kind of tie that all in is the way that you write an adventure is how your party will enjoy it. Yep. And one of the things that I I think it was Matt Mercer that said this, it might not be, and I may just have made that up uh, entirely, but... uh, or no, I think maybe it was Chris Perkins that said this. It's one of those two. Uh, we don't want to put words in anybody's yeah, mouth. It was so. one of those two for <laughs> it was sure. One of the greats. Yeah, it's one of those two for sure. Though uh, he said to write the stories that you find entertaining. Yeah. Right. Because ninety nine percent of the time, the people you're playing the game with share similar interests with you. So if you are writing a story that you like, they will be able to find something inside of that to like Mm -hmm. and that also just goes with when you're writing a a story or you're writing an adventure you're not writing like a novel right Mm -hmm. you're writing an outline that then the players are going to fill details in here and there and you're also like you're writing things that you enjoy because people need to hear them and that's that's the big thing is it's the same thought process behind people who write novels people who write uh all kinds of scripts for film plays or, you know, or for, uh, for films and stuff like that. It's, it's literally like you're writing because somebody needs to hear it. Right. And mm-hmm. eventually your players are the people who need to hear that and they're going to add to it. And then somebody else needs to hear that. And it's going to go from there. Jason, do you, in your um, campaign with your uh, inmates, do you write that story, or is it a pre-written, like, Wizards of the Coast story? No, it's, uh, I came up with it. Um, I've got several. During the years uh, I've spent here in Arkansas without a group playing, I've, I've written campaign modules myself um, on the off chance that I do get to play one day. Uh, so I, I just took one of those, and I ran with it. And the one, uh, since they're fairly new to D&D as a game, um this one is very linear and um, there's not a whole lot of chances of them going off doing their own thing, you know, without any direction or, you know, purpose, 
you know, uh, right. the campaign I've written for them is uh, very basic and linear. I think that's important too. Is uh, just know your players. Yeah, because if for your sure. players are very experienced, they've been playing D and D for years, then you could be a lot looser with your story, and they're still going to find those crumbs. They're still going to be able to follow the leads. If you put a brand new player into a high stakes game that you give them three details, they're going to be lost. Yeah. And see, that's kind of what I've done. One thing that I've really, I've really, really, really tried to um, let loose on a little bit is giving my players a ton of creative freedom. So like, like Sean created an entire continent within the world that I didn't even know about. And it's the world that I made, you know, like Jason, you're working on the same thing. And part of that is like, just give your players creative freedom and then play off of their creative, their, their creativity with your own. Because if you're writing an adventure, yeah, you can sit down and you can write, you know, A to Z, you can write your adventure. But if you let, if you tell, like in my experience anyway, I told all of the players, hey, this is the world you're in. This is kind of the timeline. This is what's going on in the world. Uh, Create a character. Pick where you want to be from. Tell me everything that you want your character. Like, everything that you want to be something about your character. Tell me that. Let me know. And then that's how I build my character arcs. Is like, I look at Elorim's backstory and I'm like, okay, Elorim starts here and he's from here. So... His arc needs to like his arc needs to end at X, you know. So we need to get him from A to Z and end his story, you know. Not like kill him, end his story, well, but like I mean, if his arc ends at X and we're up. going all the way to Z, I uh, realized that as soon as I said it, and I was like, <laughs> anyway, he's gonna make fun of me. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I think that's another good point too, though. Is like if you have a story that you want to write that that it mirrors in some way, like the modules that have come out for D anD D write it anyway like don't yeah, go for don't it. feel like you can't write something that railroads players just tell your players and some players are going to be okay with that some aren't and if they're not okay with it then run something else but if they like a lot of players are going to be open to it they're you're going to be like okay that's fine like and that's just the thing. be up front with them that's the thing too is like any of those modules you get from wizards of the coast those are incredible stories but they're very railroad they're right. very like a to z Here's your story. With the exception of, I, I think Tomb of Annihilation is the the least the sandboxiest. It's the most <laughs> sandbox, but it it's still, I mean, it still has a story that it wants to tell, and th- that's what those are built on. Like those are built to introduce people to the game, and so it has less threads, less rabbits for players to chase, uh, and just is way more direct with the players and and telling them, hey, this is the story that we are we are playing through from A to Z, right? And when we get to Z, we're done. Mm -hmm. And we can go to another story or whatever, but we're just playing from A to Z. And you just got to talk with your players. uh, Or, like, if you're running a game, uh, which that's how these would kind of fit into it. How do I run a sandbox? Or how do I uh, write an adventure? Is just talk to your players. Mm -hmm. Figure out what they expect. If your players would much rather you railroad them into something... So that they don't have to think that hard about it, then railroad them into something. If your players like, just want to show up, roll dice, and kill things, sh- let them show up, roll dice, and kill things. Yeah. Like, if, if your players want to show up, role play, or introduce them to Warhammer. Yeah. <laughs> or, or introduce them to Warhammer. If your characters show up, they and yes, everybody wants to roll dice and kill things. But if they want to do that, 
as well as help you build a world and help you, um, you know, weave storylines together and knit this awesome blanket of a story. Let them do that. Yeah, I think I think at the end of it, it's all just it's on a per group basis mm-hmm. that every group is going to have a different answer to that. And every DM is going to have a different way to do that. So the way that I run a game is different than the way Joshua runs a game. And that doesn't make either one of us better than the other. That just means we run the game differently. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's in our case, it's a different uh, actual game. Yeah, it's a, a but, different universe. So it's it's going to be different. In, but. in just like the sense of we're both playing RPGs. I run an RPG significantly different than Joshua does. Yeah. And that doesn't make his game better or worse. Just makes it a different game. Right. And as a PC in both of y'all's uh, games, the end result is the same. We're all having a blast. Yeah. And, and that's the end goal. That. <laughs> like, that's the end goal for any game is that everybody at the table comes away from that table with a specific emotion. So some nights you want that emotion to be sadness. And so you set up a thing that is going to happen that everybody is just like, oh my gosh, that just happened. And you want them to be emotional leaving. Or some nights it's specifically like, I just want people to have fun tonight. And so you show up and you have a bar brawl or, or you find like the craziest little gnome character. And it's like, those kinds of things are awesome. But it's going to differ between groups. So always uh, my answer to literally any question you could ever ask me about D&D uh, is if you're playing D&D, talk to your DM. Yep. Because he's going to have a better answer for you than I can. All right. So um, last thing I want to say on that topic before we get into um, the final one, which we're going to do quickly because I know we're over an hour, guys, and we normally try to keep it around 50 minutes, but uh, we got some good talk. So uh, we're going to keep going for a little bit, but... Last thing I want to say on the topic of sandbox versus railroad uh, or writing an adventure, there is an incredible video on YouTube by a man named Matt Colville that uh, talks about sandbox versus railroad. I don't remember how long it is. It's probably like 20 minutes or so. Most Most of of his his stuff is about 20 minutes. So, um, but check him out. Uh, I mean, you can just type in the YouTube search bar like Matt Colville Sandbox, and it's a great resource. His entire channel is a great resource for anyone playing yeah. D anD. He, he has a whole series called Running the Game, which is really nice. So if you if you ever want to get into DMing a game, um, check out his YouTube channel and his playlist called Running the Game because it it really is. Uh, there's a ton of tips for world building. There's a ton of tips for um, managing players. There's a ton of tips for adventure writing i mean he's just he's a great uh, resource for anyone in D. so uh go ahead and check him out shameless plug he's not even paying me to do that so the, uh until about two weeks ago king of kickstarter <laughs> right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah thanks uh matt mercer and company yeah um so nick uh we'll start with you and then go to jason and end with me and then we'll close out um what's your favorite moment um, what's your favorite moment in any D and D campaign you've been a part of? Either comical Oof. moment, uh, serious moment, emotional moment, anything. Favorite moment, and it doesn't have to be one that you've been a part of. It can also be we talked about before we started recording. Maybe something oh, that you've man. seen in Critical Role or uh, Acquisitions Incorporated. Any D and D you've watched <laughs> online? Pen- <laughs> pencils and parsecs. There's there's so many good good moments. Uh, 
Which, I mean, that's what this kind of game brings. It's literally just a game of making memorable moments. Uh, That'll breach. But, like, there's plenty on Critical Role, plenty on Pencils and Parsecs, plenty on Acquisitions Incorporated. Tons on Acquisitions but, Incorporated. Uh, I charge the door. But, <laughs> there is a dwarf-sized uh, hole in the door. <laughs> I walk up to the door. I turn the knob. It, it opens. It opens. <laughs> That's one of my I, uh, top moments ever. No, 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 19. Is a 19 going to do it for you, Chris? Good old Will Wheaton. Uh... No, I, I think mine is actually one that I played. It was the first game that I had like actually played online with people. And I was a player. I wasn't a DM. And, and that, that was like one of the first times I'd ever done that. And I was playing Stars Without Number. And they had a group of three guys. And one of them had quit playing. Right? So they had two players and they needed a third person in the party. And so I was just on Roll20 looking for a thing. I found them, They, I messaged and was like, hey, I'm free that night, you guys want to, like, can I play? So I got together with the DM, or the GM made my character, and I only played with them one night. Because after that, they were like, actually, the rest of us aren't playing this ever again anyway, either, so I guess we're all done. And I was like, alright, whatever. Uh, but so I played that you one ruined night. Their I game, guess I Nick. did, but oh man, I had such a great moment. Because, okay, so we were supposed to, we were robbing this place. We were robbing this shop, okay? And I had just met these people in-game and out of game. But in-game, my character had just met them. And I was like, kind of like a uh, a bad James Bond. So, so like, you were like um, Chris Pratt from Gal- uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Kind of. I was kind of like a Star Lord, uh, to be honest. I was like, I was, yeah, I was almost, I was like that character archetype for sure. To where I was like the quote unquote bad, bad boy, but I wasn't real good at it. Yeah. And, and, um, like a young Han Solo. Yeah. To be fair, I was like really low level also. (laughs) But anyway, so I, I meet them and they're, they're explaining to me this job that they're about to pull. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm in, obviously. Uh, otherwise i wouldn't have joined your game and uh so we get to the storefront the guy that owns the store is there and they're like okay you need to distract him i'm like okay what this wasn't part of the plan like okay i guess i'll distract him so i go and i start talking to the guy we have our conversation back and forth and i convince him somehow that he needs to walk me to the nearest starport to, to leave his shop unattended and walk with me to the nearest starport after he has just told me it's literally right down the street. Like, when you walk out to the sidewalk, you're going to see it. And I was like, probably not. I'm basically blind. And, it like, I just rolled well on persuasion. And he was like, okay, that makes sense. I'll come with you. And so he comes with me and locks the door behind him. My buddies break in, and they get into the uh, they get into the building, but they didn't check to see if he had an alarm. So they break in, and after they break in, the alarm starts going. The silent alarm starts going off. The classic forgot to check for traps. Yeah, and so <laughs> I'm like walking along, talking to this guy about my made up life uh, as I'm going along to the starport, and 
we start to see like the cops going by and he like starts to turn to look back towards his shop and I'm standing near the curb and I was like, I want to pretend I broke my ankle stepping off of the curb. And he was like, okay, roll deception. And I crit, which in stars of that number, it's like you roll 2d6 and I, I rolled like with my uh, deception bonus. I had like a 14. And so he was like, well, I guess it, wor-. the DM was like, that's the dumbest thing ever, but I guess it works. <laughs> and so I was, so I was like, uh, just walking along and I like jump in front of him because he's on the side of the curb with the curb and we're walking down the street and I like run in front of him and go to like run across the street, I guess, and fake <laughs> tripping and fall to the ground and I'm like, oh no, my ankle. And he's like, and he's like, exactly. <laughs> Classic family guy moment. Yeah. And so I'm like laying on the ground, like weeping uh, because of my broken ankle. And the guy's like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, I just own a store. Like, I can't fix your ankle. And I was like, well, call an ambulance or something. And so he calls an ambulance and I'm like, and he's like, okay, well, the ambulance is on its way. I got to go back to my store. And I was like, no, you have to wait with me. And I rolled a crit on <laughs> persuasion. And so he's like, uh, okay, I guess I'm going to just like stay here with you, you random stranger, <laughs> while the ambulance comes to get you. I don't want to be alone. That's funny. <laughs> and I'm That's just funny. like weeping. And and the whole time, the other two guys in the, in the uh, Skype call are just like cracking up. So they're like, this should never work. Like, I had to roll crits on every single roll just to convince the guy to not turn around and walk back to his shop. And eventually they got out of there and, like, they stole what we, they stole the information that we needed from his computer and got out. But, like, that ended up being the entire session was just (laughs) me basically, like, convincing this guy to walk, like, a mile with me and then pretending I broke my ankle. And then, like, as soon as I see them, because we're right, not, I'm fine. Because <laughs> yeah, like we're not far from the shop, right? And so I see my buddies like leave the alleyway, and I was just like, "All right, I think I'm good." <laughs> and I just like get up and walk away. The dude's like, "But there's an ambulance. Like you broke your ankle. There was an ambulance on the way." I was like, "I think I overreacted a little bit. <laughs> I think maybe I just scratched it up." <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I've never, uh, I've never played Stars Without Number, but it sounds fun. Stars Without Number is really. It cool. sounds like it would be very Guardian of the Galaxy. It can be, yeah. It, it's very freeform, and uh, it's imagine playing a Star Wars RPG, but there's no storyline. It's just a huge galaxy, and you can go wherever you want. Sounds pretty cool. All right, Jason, uh, hit us with your one of one of your top moments um, from anything you've played, uh, DM'd, watched, anything. Well, um, I've thought about it. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the first session we played of the Bloodsworn uh, mission that we did. Um, when I rolled my character, I, I was over at Sean's, and I decided I was going to play a bard. And Sean's like, you don't want to play a bard. I'm like, why not? Nick's gonna make you sing. <laughs> I'm like, what? That he's, gonna is, make, he, he's gonna make you RP the songs. That is the God's honest truth, and that's why we don't have Heck any bards yeah. in Athendale because I would have done the same thing. I'm I mean, like, I I almost rolled a bard, and I'm like, challenge accepted. 
I saw Sean had a like a green plastic ukulele on his couch. I'm like, I'm taking this. <laughs> so I went home, learned like three chords on the ukulele off of YouTube. And I'm like, all right, I'm ready. And this is before I've seen, watched Critical Role. But I Sam Regaled. Yep. Yeah. That uh, first campaign. And uh, I, I, was, I think I was rolling for inspiration. He's like, well, what do you sing? Uh, how do you inspire them? I like play these three chords badly and I sing really badly. And he's like, wow, I didn't think you'd do it. <laughs> and he gave me inspiration dice uh, on myself, plus the one I uh, casted on the other uh, party member. But um, that was probably one of the most fun characters I ever played. And, and we only did it for like two sessions. Yeah, yeah. Man, I love bards, and I love it when DMs actually make their, well, I mean, you can't make anybody do anything, but when, right. you, when you ask your players to do something and they actually do it, like, <laughs> and I think a lot of it comes from players now have probably seen Sam Regal, and Sam Regal is right. the best bard in the history of bards. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, af- af- after that game, you know, uh, Sean uh, talked me into watching Critical Role, so I started way back at the beginning and then he was doing like pop songs just changing yeah. and I'm like why yeah. Why didn't I think of that why yeah. didn't I start uh, thinking about songs that I knew I can just change the lyrics to so uh, like a couple weeks later I started uh, going through my playlist and trying to change the yeah. <laughs> lyrics to the songs just in case we played uh, revisited that character again that's awesome. I love I love bards. Yeah. Uh, I I love the Bloodsworn too. That whole yeah. model that we had was really cool. If I mean if you could get the the amount of people that we had consistent, uh it would have been a lot of fun. But I But y'all should have seen the seriousness in Sean's face. He's like, "Yeah. You don't want to play a bard." <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Sean's played enough RPGs with the two of us to yeah. know. Yeah. So, uh one thing I do want to say before you get to yours is uh Sam Regal has recently been like I have no idea what Scanlan's going to sing in our animated show now because we can't afford to pay to play the top 40s that I was singing. Yeah, I am not worried because he literally wrote like the theme right, song right. and the uh well that's uh, that's and the he, commercial, you yeah, know. That's what he was I mean, like he was like we're just going to have right. to write songs and I'm going to have to perform them for and I was like, "Yeah, you're fine, but it's going to be hilarious to like <laughs> see what he comes up with for them. It is going to be cool." All right, so to finish us off, um my top moment i've got several i mean i've got tons that i could pull from but uh one of my absolute favorite moments was um in a campaign that we played called curse of strahd and i played a character named um ian hoglight you might recognize that name if you've been listening to dice time he's a character from athendel um well actually it's not the same character it's just the same name because Ian Hawklight from Curse of Strahd was actually a good guy, and he's not a good guy in Athendale, but that's beside the point. Um, but I was playing, he was a fighter. Uh, I think it was like sixth level fighter, like third level rogue. And uh, we were coming up on this like spire tower that we had found. And, um, <laughs> and I decided, hey, I'm going to crawl up the scaffolding on the side of this building and crawl in the second floor window. And I'm going to sneak around and see what I can find. And uh, the rest of the party was like, okay, well, we're just going to go knock on the door. And so... <laughs> yeah, I was playing a druid in that campaign, and I was like, I didn't I didn't care about anything. I was just like, I walked the front door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the rest of the party was like, let's just knock on the door and ask the dude if we can sleep here. And um, meanwhile, I'm climbing up the side of his tower and crawling in the second floor window and sneaking around the second floor. Um, and like I said, I was a third level rogue, so I had a pretty good... 
um, stealth. And I, Spencer, our DM at the time was like, Hey man, um, go ahead and make a stealth check as well as an acrobatics check. And I was like, that's weird, but okay. So I make the stealth check and it was like a four and I was like, well, this is not good. And then I make the acrobatics check and it was like a seven. And I was like, well, this has just got even worse. And Spencer looked at me and went, you didn't notice, but the rug that was in the center of the floor was actually covering up uh, some like broken down rafters and the floor is not actually there. And I step out onto the rug and I fall through the second floor of this guy's tower right down into the living room, like just land on the floor while the rest of my party standing at the door talking to him. And he's standing like at the door talking to them and I just fall into his living room and I'm like, Oh, hey guys, how's it going? Yeah, I'm with them. <laughs> and, uh, and everything worked out fine. Uh, I mean, the guy died because Strahd showed up and killed him. But <laughs> uh, as happens in uh, in Barovia. But uh, that was probably... Strahd seems to come from everywhere and kill everyone. That was probably my favorite player moment. My favorite DM moment is easily when Thorin died. Uh, and that sounds terrible to say it's my favorite moment, Rip. but that was one of the most like raw and emotional nights we've had at the table. Yeah. And that was so much fun. But uh, my favorite player moment was critically failing, falling through the Strahd rafters and, and, um, and then talking my way out of getting killed by a guy who I was sneaking around his house. Uh, and then he ended up dying. So we got to take the house anyway, but that's beside the point. Um, Anything else that you guys want to add before we sign off? We're we're approaching an hour and a half now. <laughs> wow. Uh, the only, the last thing I would say is, uh, if you're interested in playing D and D, just go to your local store, because there is a group. I guarantee it. And if there's not, one of the workers at the store wants to be in a group or wants to run a group. Like that's just inevitable. And uh, if you want to run a game for your friends. Buy a player's handbook. Buy an adventure module. Yep. I would recommend The Curse of Strahd. I think it's really good. It is one of my favorites that we've played. Uh, there A lot of them are really good. The... Um, well, no, I can't even think of the, um, the Horde of the Dragon Queen that leads into Tyranny of Dragons is really good. Yeah, those are both really uh, good. They're, they're all amazing. Storm and, King's Thunder is one that we haven't played yet, but I'm going to buy it soon. Yeah, and so you start at level one, you work your way to like level seven in these books. And and it's a great way to introduce somebody to the game because it doesn't give them a plethora of choices. It gives them like four or five choices and says, make, make a decision. And then when they make a decision, you follow that to the next page and you go and you follow that story. So it's easy for a DM to learn how to do it and it's easy for a player to learn how the game works. Yeah, don't be like me and uh, make your first session a sandbox game in a created world with players that are much more experienced than you. Uh, but if you do do that, don't freak out because everything works out in the end and you're going to get better as you go. Because my first session DMing was probably much worse than I will do tonight, later tonight. Um, and last thing I would say, um, if you want to DM, don't try really hard to be like Matt Mercer. Or Sam Perkins, or Chris Perkins, Chris Perkins, Chris Perkins yeah. sorry, uh, or Matt Colville. Like, don't try to be these other people. You can take tips from them. Like, you can watch their tip videos and use or them. Or watch their games and, like, recreate things from their games. That's yeah. fine. But but don't don't make your style of game. Don't don't try to, like, mirror their, um, their 
characters and their like DM style because they've been doing it much longer than you have. Well, and and, and when it comes down to it, like you're not them, and that's okay. Yeah, because they're not you, so they can't run a game like you run a game. Yeah, so. and and like like Nick said earlier, is who who's really to say that Matt Mercer is a better DM than Nick Brown? You know, Nick Brown is to say that, <laughs> <laughs> and I would probably agree, but <laughs> I would probably agree with that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's subjective. Your, your game is different than Matt's game. Right. My game is different than your game. So who's to say that I'm a better DM than you or you're a better DM than me? It doesn't it doesn't really matter. What matters is that your players have fun. You know, if your players have fun and your players want to come back, that's that's what to me makes that's what makes me feel like I'm at least a decent DM is every week my players want to come back. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't have like a hundred bucks to spend, because that's, you know, if you buy one of the modules and the player sandbook, you're going to spend right around a hundred bucks, depending on where you buy it. Uh, if you don't have that much, just buy the starter set. It's got a really cool story in it. You can play through the starter set in a few sessions and it actually has an extension of that story that, that continues on. Uh, but you can buy the starter set for like 30 bucks or something like that. And then you get a set of dice with that. You get an, uh, a very like condensed handbook that just uses, just has the rules that you will use in that starter set and pre-made characters. So your players don't have to learn that even. Jason, any final words before we sign off? No. All right, Nick. Play more games. Jeez, you guys and your... Any final words and then long silence and then no. I hate it. <laughs> play more games. Yes, definitely play more games. And guys, uh, as always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, thank you for hanging out for an hour and a half now. In um, a world where people <laughs> listen to a podcast. Check out the website. Check out Rogue's Den. Yes, uh, this episode is brought to you in part by um, Rogue's Den. Actually in whole by Rogue's Den because they're our only sponsor. But uh, check out Rogue's Den. Um, check out their Facebook page if you're not in the Northwest Arkansas area, and if you're traveling through, swing by and check them out. They're um, they're good people over there. Uh, they got a lot of cool stuff. They got a lot of Warhammer, a lot of um, uh, what's that card game? Magic Magic the Gathering. Yeah, what's I don't play much. What's that card game? I don't play it. <laughs> I don't play it. Uh, they got a lot of good stuff, and they're good people. They're a lot of fun. Uh, so check them out. Check out their Facebook page and give them a like and. Uh, Guys, check out our website, jrbnerdcast.com. Uh, write us a blog if you want to, and um, send us an email with anything that you want us to talk about on the podcast. If you've got frequently asked questions about D&D that we didn't hit today, because there's tons of them that we didn't hit today, send it over to us. If you got frequently asked questions about really anything nerdy, uh, let us know, and we'll do our best to answer it for you. Um, we like talking about nerd stuff. That's why we do this. So... Uh, Again, guys, thank you so much, and as always, the Force will be with you. Always. Always.